created so that the most important thing in our lives would be relationship with God. And that that peace with God would allow us to have peace within. Not peace because we're strong, not peace because we're wise, not peace because we know what's happening next, but peace because we have this relationship with the one who rules it all. And because of our relationship with God, we have peace in our hearts, rest. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we'll continue our study looking at the true meaning of Christmas here in Luke chapter 2. We'll talk about glory to God in the highest and peace on earth as Paul David Tripp explains to us the harmony between those two concepts. Stay tuned for that, but first we'll be joined once again by Elise Fitzpatrick as we talk about her book on the new heaven and new earth. It's called Home. Many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. Working in the background of just about every Christian's mind is the the comfort and the realization that there is a, a home for us in heaven. The promise that even if we die, we can be resurrected and we will rule and reign with Christ in a new heaven and a new earth. That's a comfort for believers, but it often stays in the background. We often don't bring it to the forefront of our mind in a manner in which could affect us in our day-to-day living. It's a comfort for us after we die, but we don't want to think about it any more than we want to think about death itself. But our guest today is Elise Fitzpatrick, and she's been with us all week to talk about her book called Home, How Heaven and the New Earth Satisfy Our Deepest Longings. And Elise, you talk about this in the concept that that this idea, this doctrine, the theology of heaven and the new earth ought to be something that we keep in the forefront of our mind, not just the background, because it has practical and lasting implications for the here and now. It's not just about the future. It is about affecting us in this in this life here. So for our listeners are wondering, how does the concept or the theology of heaven satisfy our deepest longings? Well, like I was saying, if I have a really awful job uh, collecting garbage in, let's say, New York City, and that's not a slam on New York, but let's say that that's my job. Well, how do I get up every morning and go do that? What causes me to do it faithfully? It's because I know that at the end of the year, I get this big reward. And so what I want people to understand is the life you're living right now, not only does it matter for the right now, but it also matters in the world to come. And that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, I think it's verse 56, says, uh, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work for the Lord is not in vain. See, so because, and you know, 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection and the new earth. So, so what Paul is saying is what you're doing here, even though it might seem mundane, even though it seems it doesn't really matter, that's wrong. It's not in vain. And that work we're doing somehow gets transferred into the new heavens and the new earth to beautify it in some way. I, I don't know exactly how, but I do know that there, that there is a connection there. And also, Adam, because we earn rewards. Mm. And, you know, I'm all about the gospel of grace, 
And what that means is that salvation comes only by grace, by faith in Christ, by God's grace alone. But we will have rewards in heaven, and that is tied very much to how we live our life now. Yeah, that ties directly to my second question. If if heaven is real and life here is miserable, then why not just coast through this life? What implications does it have in the way that we live here if all we got to do is b- grin and bear it, get through life, and get to that place of heaven that is finally going to satisfy our deepest desires? Yeah, so if if I don't have a sanctified imagination, a, a hope-filled view of the inheritance that God is going to give me, then the siren call of the world will be very loud to me because you begin to think, again, as Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 15, well, let's eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we're dying. So why not do that? It's stupid not to do that if, in fact, there's not something later, further. So even with our children, we tell our children, look, I know that this homework you're doing right now is really difficult, but if you do this homework, then you get the good grade, then off we go, whatever, Disneyland, I don't know. (laughs) There's a reward. So that's very much, I think, built into the way we need to think about heaven. But the problem is that most people don't have a concrete enough perspective on heaven and, and that, you know, they think it's just someplace out there when, in fact, eternity, our eternity is going to be spent here on the new earth doing amazing things. That's probably one of the leading points that needs to be corrected because a lot of us have been hearing about heaven in such ethereal terms that we don't realize that the end goal is not just this uh, place in the clouds, but a new creation, a new heaven, a new earth, all of these things recreated in a perfect order without sin, without blemish, without spot. That is ultimately the goal that we're aiming for. I think sometimes we cut ourselves short by just preaching heaven without the full picture. Right. And so, you know, of course, when we die, um, if you and I were to die before the Lord's return, then our body goes into the grave and our soul slash spirit goes to be with Jesus in paradise. And that's called the intermediate state. But then when Jesus returns, then he will resurrect all of us and give us these new bodies which honestly, I'm looking forward to. Um, I have I have a perspective on that, which is kind of like I I look at maybe an acorn or something that's fallen from a tree, and I see it and I say, yeah, that's a crusty looking thing. It doesn't look like it has much in it, but if you put that thing in the ground, then it will grow, and that's basically again Paul's point. This seed, this this Uh, kernel of wheat gets put into the ground and then at the resurrection Adam we get new bodies which will be really wonderful but what will we do with these new bodies that will never die that will never be ill that will never have any pain what do we do with these new bodies we reign with Christ he says on the new earth but let me let me give you a little 
um, maybe a little story. Let's say that we're sitting around on the new earth and having a picnic. And up walks Jesus, still in his physical body. That's how he was resurrected. He went into heaven. He ascended in his physical body. So up walks Jesus, and we go, Lord, we were just talking about you. And he says, I brought lunch. Let's have a picnic. That, think that way. Mm. That's so much better than, yeah, well, I'm going to float around on a cloud forever or go to a, you know, a worship service. I, listen, I love church. I go to church. I love worship time at church. But that's not all that heaven is going to be. I think that everything we do here that's good, like learning and work and serving people and, and, understand, and understanding new things that God has given us, learning about the Lord, all of that is going to be somehow transferred into the new earth where we will learn and work and serve and all of those good things will continue. And then we'll, all of that will be worship to God. We've been talking with Elise Fitzpatrick about her book called Home, How Heaven and the New Earth Satisfy Our Deepest Longings. It's an excellent book, one we want to make you aware of as a resource for your library to help you understand the implications about this promise, this gift that is set out for us, our true home, and we will always be restless until we are home. This resource could be a huge encouragement to you or someone you love. Find out more information by giving us a call, 508-362-7070. And as you consider this in your end of the year, our end of the year, could I implore you to support the work of our ministry? If you've been blessed and encouraged, if you enjoy listening to the Songtime broadcast, please let us know. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, and make your end-of-the-year donation that helps keep this broadcast on the air. You can also call us at 508 362 7070. It's 508 362 7070. Or you can head over to our website at songtime.com where you can make a safe and secure donation online. And I want to thank you for your continued support of this ministry. It really means a lot to me and our staff and all of our partners as we seek to advance the kingdom of God through the airwaves. Again, thank you for your end of the year donation. Well, as we continue our study today, looking at the true story of Christmas, we continue in unpacking our theme verse for this year, Luke 2.14, uh, for this, I guess, Christmas season, not a full year, but still, it is a great verse to, to build any season around. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. In this message from Paul David Tripp, he explains to us how our understanding of glory actually has a major ramifications on our understanding of peace. Here is Paul David Tripp. Imagine what it'd be like to live in a world where every heart of every human being was ruled by the glory of God. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. 
You see, we're not talking here first about a spiritual thing or about a religious thing. This is the way God designed all human beings to live. All human beings were called, were chosen, were created to live for the glory of God. That's humanness. That was the creation plan. And in a moment of self-glory and rebellion, that was shattered. And all of us live in the middle of glory war and glory confusion as a result. The second word is that word peace. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. You and I were created for peace with God. We were created so that the most important thing in our lives would be relationship with God. We were created to have the high honor of being the worshipful, obedient friends of God. That friendship with God would be the most meaningful reality of our lives. And that that peace with God would allow us to have peace within. Not peace because we're strong. Not peace because we're wise. Not peace because we know what's happening next. But peace because we have this relationship with the one who rules it all and who guides us by his hand. And so because of our relationship with God, even though we don't know uh, all that we need to know and we can't predict the next day, we have peace in our hearts. Rest. But when that shalom with God is shattered, then the result is our hearts are not at rest. There is a horrible moment in the garden where God comes down in the cool of the day to commune with Adam and Eve. It's a beautiful picture that far. These are the friends of God that he would walk with them and commune with them. What a beautiful thing. Yet Adam and Eve aren't running to meet him. They're not excited to see him. No, they're hiding in guilt and fear because they have been disobedient and that peace with God has been shattered. I love that. Old Testament word shalom because it pictures something more fundamental than just the absence of conflict. It pictures that all things are in their proper order, are working the way they were designed to work. Peace with God means I have peace inside. But we don't always have that. All of us have the experience of anxiety, sometimes anxiety that we can't escape or anger, or frustration, or discouragement, or depression, or hopelessness. Our hearts struggle to find rest. Have any sleepless nights recently? Where your mind went over that endless catalog of what-ifs? Where halfway in and out of sleep you wished you were sovereign? Peace with God, peace within. The third thing that we were created for, peace with others. You see, when 
When I don't have peace with God and I don't have peace inside of myself, it makes it very hard for me to live at peace with others. And our lives are marked by conflict. Think anyone in this room has lived free of any moment of irritation or impatience or anger? Uh, Yesterday, anyone? This morning? It's amazing that all around us is unrest. All around us is conflict. We have a peace problem. Brokenness with God leads to brokenness within, leads to brokenness in the community that's around us. This song really does capture the great human dilemma. Glory thieves. Shalom shattered. Throughout the past couple of years since I've been a pastor here on Cape Cod, I have seen a huge surge in a particular role in my ministry, one of of doing counseling, sitting down with people and helping them through circumstances that they're facing in this life. And one of the reoccurring themes that I've noticed is that there is a major disproportion of understanding the difference between glory and peace. You see, we all want peace on earth. We want to have peace in our relationships, peace in our circumstances, peace in our finances. We want to be able to have that comfort and the reassurance that we are safe and secure. But the problem is we're not living the way we ought to be living. We want to have peace, but we also want to be able to have the ability to make our own decisions and continually make bad decisions that are really selfish in our nature. And that often leads to the fact that we don't have peace. You can't be foolish with your time, your talents, and your treasure and still have peace and reassurance that you're in a good and safe place. In fact, the two go side by side. They go together. They are intertwined, as we were hearing from Paul David Tripp. If you want to have peace in your soul, peace on earth, and to see the the, the glory and the wonder of heaven in our own life here and now, then we have to have a proper understanding of glory and worship. We got to put things in their proper place. If we're going to put ourselves first, then we're going to have a lot of problems because we are not first in life. We were not meant to bear that burden, but more importantly, we aren't able to deal with the rewards and the accolades of this life. We need to give praise and glory where it is properly due. And that is worthy only of God and his son, Jesus Christ. When the angels sing this song, glory to God in the highest, what they are declaring is not only their own position, but they're also inviting us to join with them in worshiping the Savior who is born on Christmas Day. This is our hope for peace on earth. And you say, but there is no peace. <laughs> Look at how does worshiping God bring me peace in my life, especially in all of the circumstances that I'm facing? Because when you prioritize things correctly, as Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount, if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these other things will be added to you. God doesn't withhold from us any good thing. In fact, he wants to be the one providing for us all of the good things that we need. Our problem is we're not seeking first the kingdom of God. Or as Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer, again in the Sermon on the Mount, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Glory be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you want to see peace on earth, it starts with his will, his glory, and his name being known. Then we can have our daily bread and we can have the forgiveness of our sins and all of these things will be added to you. Our problem is loving things out of order, worshiping things out of order, and that is why we struggle with peace. I hope that this encourages you, and if it has, I hope that we'll be able to walk with you through this and the challenges of your faith and the helping you grow through the Word of God in the years to come. That'll only be possible with your love, your prayers, and your support. This is 100, uh, 100% supported by our listeners, this ministry. And the only way that we can continue is with your generosity. When you consider your end-of-the-year donation, please consider Song Time. Prayerfully support this work and see the, the blessings that it is in putting first the kingdom of God. You can do so by writing to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. Don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue to unpack the, the spiritual implications of true peace when we put our hope and our worship in the proper place people who once lived for their own glory would now by his grace live for his glory that I would really have a heart that had been captivated by the glory of God that is the mission of Jesus on behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder Dr. John DeBrine who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace we want to thank you for listening from Cape Cod I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse Luke 2:14 glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased.